Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories, taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This happened a few years back, sometime around November. My mother and I loved being outside and going for walks. This night in particular was absolutely freezing out, but we decided we wanted to go for a quick walk. As we walked back home on our route, we went down this one street that we use all the time. It's a neighborhood street that leads to the main road and then back into our neighborhood. We get halfway down the street and I hear a dog bark over the music on my phone. I turn the music down and turn to look for the dog because I love dogs, and I wasn't aware there was a big dog on this street. Context. I know quite a few people on this street, and I know which houses have dogs. Most of the people on this block have small dogs, or even cats. But the bark that I heard came from a house that didn't have a dog, let alone a big one. I spun around, and saw a big dark mass just feet away from me. A big, man-shaped mass. In fact, he was only about two steps away from me. A few more feet, and he would have easily been able to grab me. This immediately weirded me out, and I started speed walking to catch back up to my mom, who, at that point, didn't even realize I had stopped. I turned off the phone and whispered to her that I thought we were being followed. She turned around and grabbed my arm, and told me there were two men right behind us. We quickly decided to cross the street, and when they followed right behind us, we crossed back to the original side of the road. Once it was obviously apparent that we knew they were following us, one of the dudes started to make small chit-chat with us. Awfully late for y'all to be walking, huh? His voice had a very siren-esque quality about it, almost as if he was trying to lure us to something. He continued asking us questions, my mom kept walking and replying with quick replies, if at all. From the sound of his voice, I knew we were in danger, so I went to discreetly dial 911. Instead, my mom told me to call my dad, as he would be able to get to us quicker, given the fact that we were almost home. We got to the busy street and looked behind us to see them speed walking right at us. We decided to risk it and run into the middle of the street as cars passed on either side of us. We made it across the street and met up with my dad on that side. We looked back across the street from where we came, and there was no sign of those men. They were just gone. We made it to our car, and my dad wanted to make a pass up and down the avenue to see if he could find these guys. But with no visible trace of them, it's as if they had almost disappeared into thin air. I asked my mom if she thought that we would have been kidnapped if that dog didn't bark, to which she replied, what dog? I asked her how she didn't hear this massive dog bark right around the time that we turned around, especially with how good her hearing is. I still have no clue what it was I heard, but I do know that by causing me to turn around, it probably saved both me and my mother from a very bad evening, if not worse. About eight years ago, my girlfriends and I would download Plenty of Fish 
and meet random guys to take exploring with us. Definitely not the smartest thinking back, especially since we were out in the middle of nowhere Pennsylvania. This one night, we met a guy. Let's call him Todd. Todd was an odd guy. He seemed socially distant, and when he slid into the back of my SUV, I instantly got the deep feeling of regret. We were going to a place called Roney's Point, a very interesting place in West Virginia. You should look it up if you're into ghosts or haunted history. Todd wanted to stay in the car for a bit to scope out the area, while us girls went ahead to explore. Red flag right there. I was so sure he was going to try and steal my car, and I wasn't about that. We went into the abandoned hospital, and out of nowhere, here comes Todd around the corner. Scared us so badly, we let out a slight scream. Todd started making comments about how his great-grandfather was a security guard at the asylum. It's right next to the hospital we were exploring, and that his grandfather told him stories about how they would shoot at the sick individuals for fun. He laughed and said, how much fun would that be? We continued to explore, and Todd just hung out in the background. We eventually left, and Todd insisted on sitting behind me in the car. I needed gas, so I started driving towards the nearest station, maybe two minutes up this winding road. I felt his slimy hands creep up and start massaging my shoulders as I'm driving. I kept leaning forward to give him the hint that I wasn't interested and to leave me be. But as he was massaging my shoulders, he's telling both my friends and I how stupid we are for inviting random strangers out with us, how we never know who is getting into our car, and how we just never know what their ideas might be. He started laughing again and I don't think I'll ever forget the tone of his voice or the grip of his hands on my shoulders. He said, maybe that person's in the car with you right now. I pulled into the gas station and demanded that he got out of the car. Surprisingly for being in the middle of nowhere, he did without question, and I left him there. We got back home and my friend went onto her POF to block him, but he had already blocked her or deleted his account. We're not sure. We never heard from this guy again, but we stopped inviting random people to urban explore and ghost hunt with us. Todd, you were creepy as hell, but you taught us our lesson. Last winter, my brother visited us from Dundee, Scotland with his three-year-old son. Since my bro had moved from Glasgow, we didn't get to see him or his family too often so we cherished it any time we got together. Unfortunately, his wife could not travel due to her own work, and only a day into his visit, he was called back himself due to an emergency. My young nephew wanted to stay though, as we had bought him tickets to the football match the day after, so I agreed to take him back to his dad in Dundee after the game completed. The only train I could get was a fairly late one, and it was therefore the last one of the day. So I took my nephew to the match and headed straight to the station afterwards. The train itself was fairly busy, but I had booked us two seats. Just as we were about to board the train, the man standing next to me made an odd comment. Like sardines, aren't they? I hate sardines. He said this, and I found it fairly odd, although I just laughed it off awkwardly. I've never been good at making conversations with strangers and always tend to feel uneasy when one approaches me. 
As we made our way to our seats, I noticed an old couple was sitting in them. I told them they were our seats, but they were fairly rude and told me that old people shouldn't be made to stand for a journey. I'm not a big fan of confrontation either, especially in public. So instead of making a stink, I let it pass, take my nephew and we move on down the train. There were no two seats together anywhere on the train, so my nephew and I were forced to stand for about an hour until many people on the train finally got off when it stopped in Perth. When we ultimately found a few seats, we sat down and I mistakenly fell asleep as I was so tired after a long day and standing an hour on the train didn't do me any favors. As my nephew was only three, he obviously fell asleep as well. I awoke just as the last passengers were getting off at Dundee. I quickly hopped up, tried to gather my nephew as quickly as possible, but he was too slow and I had to stay on the train with him, which means we missed the stop. As the train was delayed slightly, it was now going straight to Aberdeen, which was about another hour away. I sat down and tried to phone anyone I knew, but I didn't have a signal in the cabin. I began to panic, as I knew that there would be no return trains from Aberdeen at this time of night, likely meaning we would have to find a hotel near the train station. I tried to compose myself and looked about the train to see if there was anyone who could maybe help me. My carriage had more or less cleared out by this point, and there were only three other people left. An older woman sleeping a few rows in front of me, a young man reading a book at the opposite side, and a third man who was seated behind me. I told my nephew to go back to sleep and started trying to plan what we would do when we landed in Aberdeen. With a low phone battery and no signal, this was obviously a fairly difficult task, and I thought I should ask the man behind me for some help. I looked in the window's reflection at him and noticed that it was the same man who made that sardine comment earlier. He was a middle-aged man, fairly average build and height, and there was absolutely nothing to suggest he was in any way dangerous. Except for one thing, he was staring right at me. I looked away for a moment, thinking maybe he was just looking about the train, as I had done only a minute ago. But when I looked back again, he was still glaring. His stare didn't seem to break until he got up to presumably go to the toilet. I debated switching to another carriage, but before I could gather my stuff and wake my nephew, he had returned. Only this time, he sat in a different seat, facing me directly. A few uneasy minutes pass before he makes a comment. Someone's sleepy, he said, nodding at my nephew. I laughed awkwardly once more and put my earphones in to avoid having to talk to him, even though my phone had just died. Must be some set of earphones if they can listen to music when your phone's dead, he said. My heart dropped at that observation. I'm only kidding on you, he says, but I now had no excuse to avoid conversation with him. So are you going home or visiting someone, he asked. I made the mistake of telling him what had happened and that I had missed my stop. Oh my, that's quite the situation. You won't get a train back at this hour. I nodded and said I'll just find a hotel for the night. He then approached where we were sitting, sat right across from me. Hotels will be all booked and even if they aren't, they'll charge you a fortune. I've got a place not far from the station. You can stay there for the night and hop the train in the morning. I'll stay out of the way of you and your son. You don't have to worry. I explained to the man that it was not my son 
that I was his aunt, and that I'd be happy to cough up the money for a hotel, trying to stay polite by saying I didn't want to be a nuisance for him, even though I really just wanted to tell him to f*** off. Oh, believe me, you won't be any nuisance to me, he said in an overly friendly tone. I was now extremely unnerved, but still tried my best to talk myself out of the situation. This conversation carried on for another ten minutes or so, and he was increasingly insistent that I stayed with him. I didn't have any idea what to do. I felt completely helpless. I told him I needed to use the toilet in an effort to get away from the carriage. This is when he grabbed my wrist below the table. You're not going anywhere, he says in a hushed tone. You're staying with me. I'll keep you safe. Gone was the friendly tone, replaced by an extremely chilling voice. I couldn't even bring myself to scream out in the situation. The only other passengers on the carriage were at the opposite end, and I was terrified that if I screamed, the man would hurt me or my nephew. He wouldn't let go of my wrist, and repeatedly began saying, just act natural. The remaining part of the journey seemed to last a lifetime, and I knew even then there was no light at the end of this tunnel, as the man wouldn't let me go. The train finally reached Aberdeen, and the man told me to wake my nephew not alarm him, and to tell him we were staying at this nice man's house for the evening. He held my hand as we got off the train, and my worst feelings were coming true, as I knew what would happen when this man got us back to his house. All of a sudden, I was knocked to the floor in a heap of bodies. The police had tackled the man, and were arresting him. As I got to my feet, I grabbed my nephew's hand, and ran a couple of yards away, clearing ourselves from the fracas before completely breaking down. The police comforted me and told me that the young man who was reading his book at the other side of the carriage had noticed what was going on and sent a text to the transport police, whose number is all over the walls of the train on various posters. It took me a couple of minutes to process everything, but I managed to gain enough composure to thank the police and express my gratitude towards the man who had sent that text. I only managed to say a few words to him but I will be forever grateful to him, as he saved me and my nephew from what would have been a night of terror, and he possibly even saved our lives. The police very kindly took me and my nephew back to Dundee, where my brother and his wife were extremely relieved to see us. It's now been some time since this incident, but it has had a lasting effect on me, and I always make sure that when I'm traveling late at night, that I'm accompanied by someone, and never run the risk of missing my stop ever again.